Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Always aggravated, a Mike Valenti signature podcast. All right, so welcome in to a leaner and meaner edition of Always Aggravated. We've trimmed the fat, cut Roberto. Uh, he's out doing some client relations. But we have uh, a three-pack of issues I want to tackle today. Obviously, you're going to get your daily dose of coronavirus discussion because as fans, we may be watching games like we've never seen them before. we got to talk about Dak Prescott. And then I'll give you the movie review for Uncut Gems, which uh, probably isn't flattering yeah. Uh, I want to just jump in. I want to hit this coronavirus thing. And and look, aside from what we've talked about on the base show and whether we're going to Vegas or not and kind of sorting through the facts and wanting to go, but then you're not totally sure if it's safe to go, et cetera. Staying away from that, doesn't it seem like there is mounting pressure on the NCAA fellas that we're going to have tournament games without fans? I mean, I guess that's number one where I start today. I'm coming to the realization that that's going to be reality. And and just as fans, forget about public safety here because we're not scientists. As fans, that's going to be so bizarre Mm -hmm. to watch, no? I think it's inevitable. I think that even especially yesterday with the Ohio stuff, it'll be really weird to watch, yes. And I don't know. I I just, I really wonder, is it going to be every single game? Is it just going to be the the Ohio-type situation? I I'm starting to, to lean towards believing it very well might be every well, game. And, and David, before you, you jump in, look, to be accurate, you have Cleveland hosting first-round games. You have Dayton hosting the first four. Okay, You have Spokane hosting first-round games. Now, Washington, along with New York, is the true epicenter here of the outbreak. Mike, if you're not playing in Spokane, Cleveland, and Dayton, how would you justify playing in other cities? From a liability standpoint— you're either all in or all out. Right. I, I, to me, I am mentally prepared for these games to be empty gymnasiums. And that will be such... Now, I know what people are going to say. Oh, well, the early tip on Thursday, it's an empty gym. Any, no, 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 guys, empty. Empty. And then that sweet 955 tip in the 512 game, and the underdog gets all the momentum, and the crowd gets behind... Oh, wait. Yep. There is no crowd. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Duke's in the East with a wicked advantage playing in Charlotte, except there is no advantage. It would alter the best part of the NCAA tournament where fans of other schools begin rooting for one of the teams that isn't theirs because you buy the pass and you're there all day. Mm-hmm. Right. And you get the momentum and the underdog gets the crowd swell. And, like, I, I, I don't even know what it would be like watching these games. Yeah, it would be wild. You know, you're right. You build off, say, you know, Duke and Florida State are in the same region, in the same location, and Duke's playing early. Florida State fans are there. You're right. They're rooting against Duke because they want them to lose. Or Michigan, Michigan State. We've seen that before, where Michigan State's playing, Michigan's booing, or vice versa. I think competitively, 
if they choose to not play in Cleveland with fans or not play in Dayton with fans or Spokane, then they shouldn't play with fans anywhere. Think of the difference it makes in those venues, no fans. Yes. To the teams that then have to play at venues with fans. Right. See, and that's the thing, and I'm not I'm not getting political. It's just there has to be a, a unilateral direction here. We're either limiting group events or we're not. There's a major conference coming up here in Grand Rapids that's going on, and that's got several thousand people at it. Yet, the coronavirus conference in New York has been canceled because of coronavirus. Yes. Concerts canceled. St. Patty's Day parades in Washington, D.C., Boston, Chicago, canceled. Games in the MAC, no fans. Games in the Big Ten and ACC, with fans. Like, it puts you in a position where I don't know how you decide. I think the NCAA is going to be at such a level, they're going to have to make a unilateral call here. And it's interesting. I don't know if you remember this. You probably do remember this. A few years back. Are you calling me old? No, I'm not <laughs> calling you old. It's, it's not even that far back. Um, the Baltimore riots happened. Yeah. With, uh, I believe, it was the situation with the police there. and yeah, Freddie. Uh, Freddie Gray. There it is. And um, Baltimore Orioles, they canceled that game. Oh, yeah. But then played came no back yeah. the next day, played with no that was crazy. fans. Yeah. You hear everything. You hear the ball hitting the stands with a well, foul ball. It's there's crazy. The, there's the problem, though. I mean, a baseball game, I think we're conditioned to view it with very few fans. Yes. It's a sad reality of where we're at. You see an April game in Cincinnati or a, what's become any game in Detroit. Mm-hmm. But basketball, what will those microphones pick up? Oof. You can't have a live hot mic. Mm-hmm. Especially no with way. March Madness. I mean, the, the drama of March Madness and the yep. crazy endings to games and the, the shock factor. Yep. That's, that's a huge part of this tournament and what makes this tournament great. And to not have fans there and cheering and, and to have that shock reaction, that's going to be incredibly weird. So let me ask you this. What percentage do you put, and we're taping right now early Wednesday morning, so apologies if news breaks afterwards, but what percentage would you put that next week we are watching the opening round games of the NCAA tournament with no fans in at least some venues if you don't want to go the full Monty? In, I in at least some venues, I would say... Uh, I'd give that a 65% chance. Yeah, maybe. that's where I was leaning. That's exactly where I, I was, was leaning. I was at 75. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Now, all venues is what really becomes the, yes. the question mark. Yes. And and look, I think this is a real-time situation. I mean, who's to say that the ACC tournament—see, this is the hypocrisy of this whole deal. New York is one of the epicenters for the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Yet— they're playing. They're playing the the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden with fans. <laughs> right, ten miles outside of the city, New Rochelle's under a containment zone. It's just there's no unilateral decision making. And, and look, I'm not a medical expert. Mm-hmm. Not sure if you were aware, but as a fan, doesn't it put you in a very bizarre place to be because you don't know what decision's right or not. Look at the decision we have to make regarding going to Vegas. Yep. I mean, we're in this thing and you're going, okay, you have states banning group events of over 500 people, 2,500 people. You have stadiums that will not have fans in it. Yes. But yet we're going to be in the middle of pandemonium for three days. Now, what's right, what's wrong? And, And as people, that's a real head scratcher. So when I see Madison Square Garden with fans, 
in an area that is a hotbed of coronavirus right now. How do I reconcile that? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Forget as a fan, but as a person. Yes. I don't I don't know what to do. Uh, I I mean, you mentioned the 65, 75, whatever percentage. Yeah, that's just how I feel. But I I would be pretty surprised overall, and maybe we disagree here. I'd be pretty surprised overall if every single tournament game was empty. I think the way I'm thinking, and it doesn't make it right, the way I'm thinking is experts, not not some boob on a news network, a doctor, experts, are saying that 40 to 60% of this country is going to be exposed to this. Now, there's a doomsday scenario, which Angela Merkel in Germany had said 70% of Germans will get exposed to this. Look, at 40 to 60%, if we take the middle and we go 50% of Americans, we figure we got, what, 350 million people, let's say... Let's say the mortality rate levels out because more people get it. We get more accurate testing. More people survive it. Let's say the death toll normalizes at 1%. You're still going to lose almost 2 million people. Right. You have to really think about where it's headed. Mike, it's not about stopping it. It's about slowing it. Yes. If everyone gets sick at the same time, and this is where the panic sets in for people, our medical system, our healthcare system will get overrun. Hospitals will get overrun, and then you end up with the Italy situation where they can't treat people, and because treatable cases go untreated, those people die. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is about slowing it down. So, Mike, I could see a situation where how many people attend the NCAA tournament every year? I'm sure that's a quick Google. Yeah. But if I can take those people out of the equation and I'm the NCAA, then I'm able to say I did my part. What more do you want me to do? I mean, if you unleash five people that are infected in an arena of 18,000. Right. And then those 18,000 people, they go see the people that they encounter each day. Mm-hmm. You're talking 60, 70, 80,000. I mean, Mike, you see how this thing can death spiral to where we become overrun. Mm-hmm. Well, the NCAA is going to have something to think about because I don't think we've ever had this on our pod, but there's breaking news here. Because the World Health Organization just declared the coronavirus a pandemic. Really? So that right there is going to affect their decision come Saturday, Sunday, when they're, you know, the brackets come out Sunday. So wow. that decision right there from the World Health Organization, organization, organization huh? is going to impact if this there's is, fans or not in this stadium. Crazy. I have to imagine, right? Yeah, I think it it's impacts. generally around 700,000, 800,000 paying spectators. <sighs> Okay. Every so, year, it's probably actually. You know what? This is from a few years ago. It's so. It's, I would. I would guess that it's probably eight hundred and fifty. You're or talking so. about cutting exposures by tens of millions of people mm-hmm. by simply eliminating the million who go. You tired of that two thirty feeling? You're not alone. It happens to me every damn day. Seventy percent of us hit a wall after lunch. Let five hour energy help you leap over that wall instead of running right into it. Zero sugar, four calories, a convenient portable size. Perfect pick-me-up to get you through the rest of the day. It's five-hour energy, energy on the go. I don't, I'm not, see, this is the thing, and this is what I have such an issue with. It's almost like, depending on what side you're on with this, you're, some people are almost rooting for this to be bad. And because they want to be right. Now, that's wild. You know what well, I'm saying? Like, yeah. People get so obsessed with being right, they don't even want to participate in what's real. 
Look, the hope is it's not this bad. The hope is with the warm weather, it slows down. But we don't have that answer. This isn't like regular influenza in that. So then I ask about baseball. Look, if the NCAA makes this move, hmm. what leagues are going to stick out? Like, what does the NBA do? Today, they're going to have their ownership call. Right. You could see the NBA with no fans at games. And if the NBA does it, the NHL does it. And if the NHL does it, MLB does it. These leagues have to stand together. They're not going to have a lone wolf. So you you look at this and you go, Mike, this is very real for sports fans. We may be witnessing something that we've never seen. We've never seen and we'll never see again. Right. Yeah. And I, I think we need to be prepared for that. And it's like, look, I, this is part of the thing too, Mike. The decision for fans has to be less about what we want to do and more about what's right. Mm -hmm. Like, look, my dad was supposed to go on this Vegas trip with us. My dad spoke to his physician. His, his physician said, no go. Now, obviously, I don't like publicize it, but last year my, my dad had a heart attack. Mm. And he's okay, and he avoided major damage, and he's been a healthy guy his whole life. But his doctor said, you're not going. No. There's Which no way sense. in good conscience I can let. Now, my dad's only 64, but still, pre-existing. Right. As a, as a cardiovascular, pre-existing condition. And she just lined it up. I mean, Vegas, casino, no way. So I have to think about if I go and then I have contact with my parents, right. contact with, you know, my family. I'm I'm beginning to take this from at the beginning of the conversation. It was all about I'm not worried. I'm not worried. But when you start to recognize now the real pattern of what this is about, I think you have to start thinking of other people than yourself. Yeah, because there's a while before you can even get symptoms. R right. And then it's what? Are you prepared to go on this trip and not see your family for right. several weeks? Right. That's the reality of the situation we're dealing with. And I, I don't know what the final call is. And I'm not fear-mongering. I'm saying that the NCAA, I don't know how they avoid that choice. I don't. Yep. Well, Hope I'm wrong. You, they'd have to make it in short order, wouldn't you think? I mean, my um, God, the tournament's coming up and— the conference tournaments are this week? Mike, I, th I think in a situation like this, all things considered, people's feelings are going to be lowest on the list. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to make the decision that is right for them in real time. Yep. Just like we're going to make a decision that's right for us. Look, I still believed up until yesterday this company was going to cancel all travel. Now, we have a all non-essential travel policy, which I think is a little bit of cute so they word consider, speak. They consider us essential. I mean, hey, look, look, <laughs> well, no, but this look trip, at the money yeah. our show produces. Right. You tell me if it's essential. <laughs> but this it's trip, essential. this trip is an essential is listed well, as an essential travel. But, yeah, but the the bottom okay. line is, it still comes down to what what you and I decide as adults we're going to do. Mm -hmm. What are they going to do? Tranquilize you and put you on the plane? No. <laughs> Drag just, you there? I'm just making a point that no matter how badly I want to do something, the last 48 hours has got me rethinking how I position my decisions. And it's not just about me because, and again, listening to scientists, yep. not boobs on television, they're speaking in terms of we all have to do our part to slow this down. We're not avoiding it, yep. but we got to slow it down so that the people who need care can get care and so that we don't get a death spiral. So the NCA, the NBA, I'll be fascinated what the NBA comes out with today. Because they are, in fact, the most, you know, woke of the leagues. They are the most aggressive of the leagues. I'm actually prepared for them to make a statement about getting rid of fans at games for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Right. And just, guys, 
We'll get back to you when we get clearance from the, uh, I hate using the term the scientists, but I mean, that, that's the reality of it. The scientists. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, I am fine going on the trip, but Mike, I really do think that a lot of people, when the when this stuff first came out, sure, their response was, oh, this is fear-mongering, who cares, Guilty it's, it's not going to it's not gonna affect me. Guilty as charged. And, and, no, and me too, and I still kind of feel Same that way. Here. And you know what, let's just, I'm just going to address the elephant in the room. There's a lot of people that do have conspiracies about this and think that it is political because it is an election year, and some of that, I think, might be true to a certain extent, okay? But overall, I think that when you have so many, um, when you have so many, organizations, so many people coming out against this, and so many people, by the way, on both sides of the aisle. So we can't just say that this is one no, side. No, 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 um, no. But I think that this entire situation has really kind of taken a life of its own, where it's the past 24 hours, and I think that leading on to the rest of this week, we're going to see the cancellations and stuff like that just continue yeah. to go up. See, and that's the thing. With me, it, it did hit me, because I, you know, initially thought, you know, no big deal, but Last night, after having a conversation with my wife, she's scheduled to have a trip at the end of this month for school or whatever she has to do. And now she's thinking about canceling. And that's the first time I was like, okay, now it's starting to hit home. Now I have to really think about this. Should she travel? Should we really reconsider, cancel this trip? You know, I wasn't doing that before. Think about this, though, too, with with March Madness coming up. I mean, if you had tickets to a regional and you were going to make it a trip, would you go? Right. You have to you have to try to wear both shoes here. The NCA is trying to protect people from themselves if their priorities are in order. People have to protect their fellow man and woman. You have to go, okay, what's right and wrong? I'm waiting for guidance, not only as a sports fan, but a human being. I mean, look, there are still millions of people boarding planes every single day. I know they talk about the 30% drop in bookings. I know how you see the picture of an empty airplane or an empty-ish airport. Guys, people are still flying. Okay? It hasn't grinded to a complete halt. So there are real people still going about their life during this. The question is, is that abhorrent behavior? Is that unsafe behavior? Or is it not? And you're, you're seeing these two forces fly in the face of each other and you're kind of waiting for someone to make a decision here and it's just not happening but i think I, look is society right wrong or otherwise we take our cues from sports a lot yeah i think if these leagues begin saying you're not welcome at our games for your own safety i think that'll have a ripple effect in society right right wrong or otherwise well, right. and especially with what you just mentioned too david with the statement oh yeah the who yeah all right so let let's Transition to this. I want to talk about Dak Prescott for a minute. We didn't get to it on the base show. Nobody in Detroit cares. Allegedly turned down, reportedly turned down, 33 mil a year, 100 million in guaranteed money. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to say this, and we can do this conversation, but you got to be careful believing reported numbers. Yes. These teams always leak deals to make players look bad. They leak deals that are misleading and make them look like they are the kings of generosity and the player is ungrateful. I'm going to take these numbers and we are going to presume they are true, <laughs> but know they could be false. Mm-hmm. Start with this. Forget about the guaranteed money. The presumption of any quarterback deal moving forward is that it's going to be at least 50% guaranteed. I think we can all yep. agree on that. Yeah. Focus on $33 million a year, though. If we presume Patrick Mahomes is going to be 40 
And we know Aaron Rodgers is what, 36? Yes. And we know the rate for new deals is coming in in the 30s. Dak Prescott at 33. I want you two to take me through this because you have different opinions on the guy. I'll give you my take. But at 33 million, comfort level signing Dak to that kind of deal. There, Let's start there. Not comfortable at all. <laughs> and, and all jokes aside, I, I don't think Dak, I mean, look, he, he's been better this year. Even I've admitted that. All jokes aside, I think he has been better. Mm-hmm. But that type of money for Dak Prescott, who's a an elite game manager, as I like to call him, <laughs> come on. And I, and I understand the market of it and the how much quarterbacks are getting, but I'm sorry. Just thinking that Dak Prescott's getting paid this much and and the fact that he's even making more demands, allegedly, and turning that down, I don't know. It just seems like a little much, but if he can get it, good for him. I just... I don't think he's I don't think he's that great. I really don't. See, when I think about it, you have Russell Wilson. Yes, he deserves to be paid what he's begin getting paid. Yeah, oh absolutely. Then you have Jared Goff, he you know, whatever. He got paid already. Carson Wentz got paid already. Derek Carr will be in in for a contract very soon. Um and then you have now the young guys that are gonna be coming up for a contract. Baker Mayfield soon, Sam Darnold soon. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky's not going to get his deal. Kyler Murray Josh Allen. in a few years. Josh Allen will be getting a deal. So I think that when you look at some of those quarterbacks, I think they will be around the tier of Dak Prescott. I think that Dak Prescott at $33 million is exactly what the market yeah, says the that he should get. Because Mahomes is going to pass him. Then you're going to have probably Baker Mayfield will probably pass him if he has a better season this year. But here's he your will pass him. Here's your issue. Mm-hmm. And it's less about Dak and more about roster construction. Yes. What quarterback that's redone his deal has won a Super Bowl? The answer is none of them have. Correct. Go look at it. Correct. So then you have to start asking yourself the question, is the whole idea of signing your quarterback and paying them 20% of your salary cap is that even a feasible thing to do if you plan on winning a Super Bowl? No one has been able to do it. Find me the guys at 20%, 18%, 17% of cap. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. So you're almost signing these deals where you keep the quarterback who's your most important player, but you lose out on any real chance to win a Super Bowl, no? Right. So what do you do? See, I almost believe in the new CBA, I want the quarterback money to be separate from the salary cap. Oof. I think yeah. quarter, I think you should be able to sign your quarterback for whatever you want, but it should have nothing to do with the other 52 guys on the roster because we've created something here that isn't sustainable. It's proven. Think about it. The minute the Chiefs pay Mahomes $40 million and his mm-hmm. cap hit is $40 million, they're not winning a Super Bowl. They're right. done. That's so much money. Russell Wilson gets paid. Yep. They're done. Aaron Rodgers gets paid. They're done. Yep. Breeze gets paid. They're done. Correct. Who? Correct. Who? But 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 here's my maybe an argument to the other side. Yes, while they haven't won, you just name Russell Wilson. They're in the playoffs because of him. They haven't won after he got paid. I can understand that. Patrick Mahomes will have his team in the conversation because he's Patrick Mahomes. Deshaun Watson, at some point when he gets paid like that, he will have his team in the conversation because He's Deshaun Watson. So while many of them haven't won, I think that most teams are caring about yeah, there's no, the marketing of it. David, there's yeah, no right. in the in the running award. I understand that. But I think most owners will tell you all they really care about is marketing and getting to the playoffs and being a team. 
KC won. I don't. They haven't won in fifty years. I don't think they will care if they pay Patrick Mahomes and never win again. Uh, okay, but understand you're making a deal with the devil. Oh here. yeah, I understand. But the Dak Prescott thing. Look, I still think the franchise tag could be powerful on a one year deal, but they got to sign this guy. But if he wants a valuation that is higher than the franchise tag, I don't. I don't know how you commit four or five years. Mm-hmm. The recipe's there. You draft a rookie, you buy yourself a four or five year window, mm-hmm. load up the roster, correct, and go for it. Unle- uh, until or unless they change the CBA, why would I look to do this if my guy's even remotely borderline? Mm-hmm. I mean, remotely borderline. I mean, right now, Jared Goff's contract's going to end the, the LA Rams, oh, yes, along with the way that Les Snead has run that organization. Mm-hmm. But look around the league. Look around the league. Tell me what the right move is for the Cowboys. I could make a credible case the right move is draft quarterback, keep Dak on the franchise, he goes, it clears up a ton of room, mm-hmm. and away you go. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know. Because the only way the Cowboys have kept this team together thus far is Dak hasn't made any money. Yes. Mm-hmm. The minute Dak makes 33, who you got to say goodbye to? Right. Like I tell you right now, a guy like Amari Cooper is a good start. <laughs> you know they, what I'm and saying? And they want to sign him, apparently. According to reports, he might sign before Dak signs. Well, then then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, again, the proof's in the pudding here. I like Dak. I think Dak's proven to be a, a, a good quarterback. Yes. But it's a pretty dirty secret now in the NFL. You pay your guy almost 20% of the cap, you can't win the Super Bowl. Well, you're right about that. I I'm a living witness of that with my team. Ben Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger, they won two before they ever had a chance to pay him. They paid him. We haven't won a thing. Yes, while we were in the conversation, as a fan, like even though I just said that, most owners care about it. Me, personally, as a fan, I don't care about just being in the conversation. I want to win championships, and we haven't won since we paid Ben Roethlisberger. And Baltimore is going to be in that same situation soon. They need to win something now with Lamar Jackson before they have to pay him. Because if he has another season or two the way he had this past season, oh, he will be right underneath Mahomes or right maybe with Mahomes at $40 million. So you're right. They need to win now before they have to pay him. Sully? Well, and and I think that, I don't know, we talk about Mahomes and Wilson and all those guys. I just view them on a completely different level than Dak Prescott. They really are. So you're talking about Russell Wilson and how, yeah, he's going to get his team in the mix every year. He's going to be responsible for getting them in the playoffs and making a run. Yeah, that's completely true. I just don't think that's the case with Prescott at all. I don't think Prescott is in any way the reason or a difference maker like Mahomes is, or certainly like Russell Wilson is, or like Lamar Jackson is. I, I don't think it's even the same level. I don't. I just I just view it the way I viewed Matthew Stafford. And for years, people were upset in this market, in Detroit, they were upset that he was the highest paid quarterback for a little bit. And I kept telling people that at some point he's going to become the average. And he did become the average. And I think that's what's going to happen here. While we look at $33, $34 million for Dak, at some point when all the young quarterbacks come up, that will be nothing. So I think $33 million is just well, fine. And to be and fair. And they paid Zeke already. To be fair, we have to talk about the salary cap going up. Yes. Where does it project? Yes. And you're right. You pay Dak 33 and quarterbacks start getting paid 37, 38, 40. I understand. But man, I mean, even even look at the Lions. 
Stafford's deal is a value at 27. What the, what the hell are they winning? Correct. You know what I'm saying? Correct. Guys have gotten these deals done, and I just think when you pay your quarterback this level of money in today's league, you are on a high-wire act where you can't make any mistakes, and yeah. your team's got to stay completely healthy if you plan on getting this done. And that that's just – I don't know if it's a road I want to go down. I mean, like, look at the Giants right now. I got Daniel Jones. We got a five-year window because the minute we got to turn around and pay, by the time Daniel Jones signs, he's getting something in the 30s. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, how are we going to do this? We can't pay our quarterback 30 and pay Saquon Barkley 20. What the hell are we doing here? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing because look at Minnesota. Look at Kirk Cousins. He got his contract. Everything's guaranteed. But now they're in a situation where they have salary cap hell right now and they have to release defensive players right now and the defense is their thing. But they're doing that because of what they pay Kirk Cousins. So, in reality, you're right. It's hard to win when you pay these quarterbacks. All right, guys. Really exciting time in Detroit and the state of Michigan. Sports betting is finally legal. That's right. I'm pumped up about this. And that's why you got to go check out Greektown Casino's brand new sports book downtown. I was there opening day. It's really nice. Go check it out for yourself. And, you know, see how you like it. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Don't forget as well, go to greektowncasino.com and you can go to the Bet Builder page on the sportsbook part of their website and it's super convenient for you. You can go on your phone with Bet Builder. You can get a QR code for your bets and you simply go to Greektown, you scan the QR code and that's how you do it. But go to greektowncasino.com, check out their sportsbook page, that part of their website. And certainly when you're downtown, stop by Greektown. And see their brand new beautiful sports book. As always, when you're at Greektown, must be at least 21 years old to gamble. All right, so last thing. I, I, I'll do this, and I'll keep it brief, and Roberto's not here, but I finally got around to watching Uncut Gems. Now, people lauded Adam Sandler's performance. Uh, Adam Sandler plays a New York City jeweler, gambling addict. It's a tense movie. People talked about how the last 20 minutes you'll get anxiety. It's a sports movie. Kevin Garnett's in it. There's cameos everywhere. I go, okay. Number one, and this is a me thing, I cannot escape or could not escape Adam Sandler's past. I can't take him seriously. Yeah. I can't watch him do a serious role. It'd be like Will Ferrell doing a serious role. Like Adam Sandler's been an idiot his whole career. I can't take him serious trying to do a dramatic role. I just couldn't. I kept seeing Billy Madison and him smashing toys together mm. or fighting, uh, you know, a uh, uh, Price is Right guy, Bob Barker. Right. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. So automatically we were at a deficit. Second of all, the best part of the movie, which was so flawed, was his mistress, who was uh, a, a sight to behold. But overall, the amount of ridiculous moves in this movie, it was absurd. It was patently Absurd. I mean, from pawning Kevin Garnett's championship ring to the terms that he pawned it on, it was asinine. He punched the weekend in the face and lived to tell about it. Like, like, yeah, you're getting backstage to punch the weekend, the musical artist, and you're going to live to tell about it. He somehow magically booked a helicopter for his mistress to go place a bet and hands her a bag of money while hanging out of a window in New York City. <laughs> I mean, the guy's chasing him. He owed a hundred grand, which in the grand scheme of gambling is not that much. Hey, fellas, ever heard of a fucking payment plan? 
This guy's chasing this dude down with Russian mobsters, threatening to kill him. You're his brother-in-law. Just set up a fucking payment plan. I mean, then the best part, his mistress gets off a helicopter, goes to the sports book, has a duffel bag of money. She walks up to the window, slams the bag on the table and goes, I want to place a bet. And, and the woman goes, oh, okay, honey, that sounds great. How much you want to bet? She goes, well, I don't know, and dumps the bag out, and it's just bricks of, wow. bricks of cash. So <laughs> let, let me stop it. Let me tell you how this goes. A, would never happen in Las Vegas. Wouldn't happen at any sports book. Because right off the top, they know you're not making the bet for yourself. Yeah, They're not taking your money. Yep. Dude, if you ever go to try to place a big bet, Let's say you hit a parlay, now you're cooking, you got some cheddar, you want to throw a couple thousand on a game. They will take your ID, they will interview you, they will know who's placing that wager, and they will watch you like a hawk. Sure. So this was total bullshit. She had a note and placed a, you know, a <laughs> bet, she places a bet for, for, for $150,000 on a game. Get the fuck out of here. That's nonsense. <laughs> then, then... It was the, the, honestly, the avalanche of cameos. It was like a movie that was trying so hard to tell you that we are cool. Whether it was The Weeknd, whether it's Kevin Garnett, whether it's Mike Francesa playing a, a kitchen manager at Smith & Walensky. I mean, it just, <laughs> the cameos just wouldn't end. I mean, they had that wacko from the fashion district in New York City with the phosphorus white teeth. And the bad permatan, I forget his name, but he's famous in New York. Like, it, it just, please, enough. It was just, and the ending, forget about it. The ending was total nonsense. It was totally ridiculous. Th this is a classic case of a light show where people see stars, sports, and gambling, and they are blinded to tell you it's a good film. Mm -hmm. This movie, on a scale of 1 to 10, was a 4. It was below average at best. Adam Sandler was a detestable character. I don't even think he played it well. The movie was a complete piece of shit. And no matter how beautiful his mistress was, that cannot really get me where I need to go with a film. I will, I will give it a 4 out of 10. Uh, do not watch, do not waste money, and I don't wow. know what the fuck people were talking about saying it was a good film. Mm. Yeah, hard pass, look at the ratings. hard waste of two hours. Looks like the it did get decent reviews. Wow. Well, good for them. Yeah, but the fans reviewed it, I think it got 52%, so that right there tells you I that gotta see they this didn't like this it. Mistress. I thought it stunk. I thought it absolutely stunk, and that's that. All right, thanks for listening as always. Rate, review, subscribe, and remind Roberto that he missed this week's episode because he's a corporate man now. Mm. We'll talk to you next week.